millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So, quick question. Where do you stand on aliens? Are you a believer? Well, according to a recent study of 26,000 people in 24 different countries, about half of us do think there is some other intelligent life out there in the universe. And another 25% of us are undecided voters, waiting to be convinced. This BBC documentary caught my ear last week, summarising what we do and don't know about extraterrestrial life today and what we're doing to change things. The Earth is a beacon, broadcasting electromagnetic waves across the cosmos, radio, television, with music, sitcoms, drama, news. Rocket Man is on a suicide mission for himself. And the further out you go, the older that news gets. Nelson Mandela's first steps back to freedom. The German people awoke this morning as one nation. Obviously a major malfunction. On planets 50 light years from Earth, you'd know we had a space program. The Eagle has landed. You'd hear our comedy, our quiz shows, advertising. After seeing and hearing the new 1951 Dumont telesets, you'll never be satisfied with less. 80 light years away, you'd receive the first transmissions to make it through Earth's atmosphere. Radar. So about 10 German machines dive-bombing the British convoy. There are hundreds of billions of planets in our galaxy alone, and evidence from space telescopes suggests tens of billions of these, tens of billions, could be similar to Earth. So, where are the aliens? I'm Seth Shostak, senior astronomer at the SETI Institute. SETI is the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. And for the BBC World Service, I'll be hearing about the latest efforts to find E.T., talking to some of the pioneers of the search and asking why we've not discovered evidence for alien civilizations. Whenever I sit on an airplane, whenever I go somewhere to talk, people are really eager to know what the answer is. We have a desire to understand how we fit in. That's Jill Tarter, a founder of the SETI Institute and one of the most distinguished scientists in the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Her work inspired the lead character, Ellie Arroway, in the 1997 movie Contact, where aliens beam a message to Earth. And even more important, she picks it up. As in the film, the real search for E.T. has involved using giant radio telescopes, big antennas, to listen to the cosmos. And the real-life drama has been every bit the financial and emotional roller coaster. Sometimes we had funds, and then the next day we didn't. And very hard to plan systematic exploration under those conditions. And there have been a couple of times when we thought we might have detected a signal, exactly the thing that we were looking for. And that's a real rush. That was a, a thrill, followed by a letdown when we figured out that, no, it really wasn't coming from 
a distant star. It was coming from a satellite that was orbiting the sun, SOHO. It sounds like, you know, it's like somebody who's looking for the, I don't know, cure for cancer, and they're in the lab one day, and suddenly something seems to work. And I've often wondered, well, what would their reaction be? You know, oh, now I have to write this up? Or, you know, did they start yelling Eureka and running around naked and having a drink? I mean, what, what was the deal? Well, if they in the lab were like me at the telescope, they would get incredibly excited and somehow dumber than I usually am. The signal was clearly artificial, and so I wrote a little computer program that looked at some of the characteristics of this signal, but I had been sloppy, and I hadn't printed it out very neatly. And so the answer that I was looking for was right there. Yes, indeed, we had seen that frequency spacing, that signature, uh, a few times before when looking in some other directions. And so very quickly, I could have known that that signal had nothing to do with the star that we were currently observing. But I was so excited was it disappointing? Because you'd been at this for decades, right? I'm an astronomer. I'm an engineer. I actually can manipulate numbers, and I can appreciate how big the universe is. I can understand that our star, the sun, is one of only a few hundred million stars in the Milky Way galaxy, and that there are almost as many galaxies in the universe as there are stars in our own galaxy. So there are a lot of places to look. We talk about looking in the radio part of the spectrum, but there are billions of channels to search. And so you could know going in that this could be a multi-generational problem, that we might not succeed. And so the only kind of people I think that do this work are people who get pleasure out of doing it better tomorrow than we could do it yesterday. Most of these people are based in the Bay Area near San Francisco. The SETI Institute is in the Silicon Valley, and Dan Wertheimer works across the Bay in Berkeley. I'm the chief scientist at the University of California Berkeley SETI program. By rights, Dan should be a Silicon Valley billionaire. He spent his youth hanging out at the Homebrew Computer Club pioneering personal computing with the likes of Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. But instead, he's devoted his life to searching for space aliens. We're surrounded by electronic equipment, and there are oscilloscopes over here, and, and uh, racks of electronics over there, and stuff on the floor, and even a hammock for the grad students who work here late into the evening. So what is it that you're working on here, anyhow? We are testing detectors for a new optical SETI experiment to look for laser signals that might be from distant civilizations. And in this box here is one of the detectors, and we're looking at, on the oscilloscope, you can see like individual photons that are hitting that detector. Okay, so let me just get this straight, because most attempts to try and find ET uh, look for radio signals, and so this is not about that. This is looking right. for something else. So the early SETI experiments used radio signals because that's what Earthlings did. We've been sending radio signals out into the universe for 70 years or so. Now we have lasers. Lasers are very good for interstellar communication if you point them in the right direction. Radio is good for sort of omnidirectional sort of sending signals in all, all different ways. But are you saying that maybe the aliens would be trying to get in touch by flashing a laser our way, and if so, why haven't we seen that already? I mean, people have been looking at the sky from time immemorial. Why haven't we seen those flashes? 
So I think Earthlings are kind of a primitive civilization. We're just learning how we might communicate with other civilizations. We've only had radio for 70 years. We've had lasers for 50 years. We're just getting in the game, learning how we might intercept these communications. So we got a lot of searching to do, and we're just learning how to do it. So I'm proud of the progress we're making, but I still think we're just getting started. It seems like your detector here is in a plastic lunch pail. I I, I don't know whether it really is a lunch pail, but, you know, what's inside the the pail? What this thing can do, it's an amazing gadget. And uh, we couldn't have done this experiment until recently. This came out for uh, medical imaging, people that are trying to find cancers, tumors. They're sensitive to individual photons that hit them. And it has a lot of amplification. If we connect it to a telescope, we can detect a laser signal from the other side of the galaxy, 100,000 light years away. So it's a very sensitive detector. It's sensitive to a broad range of wavelengths, a lot of different colors. And it can see individual photons uh, at very high speed. So this is a new technology that we wouldn't be able to do. And it's cheap because it's used in these medical cancer detecting machines, the PET scanners. It's time to commit to finding the answer to search for life beyond Earth. The global effort to look for intelligent life has never been more energetic. The breakthrough initiatives are making that commitment. In 2015, at the Royal Society in London, physicist Stephen Hawking helped launch Breakthrough Listen. This $100 million initiative is backed by billionaire entrepreneur and philanthropist Yuri Milner and supported by Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg, and it involves many of the world's leading astronomers. It's uh, the world's most comprehensive, sensitive, and intensive search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Andrew Simeon is director of the Berkeley SETI Research Center and principal investigator for Breakthrough Listen. The core of the Breakthrough Listen observational program includes observations of a million nearby stars, about a hundred nearby galaxies, and a complete survey of the Milky Way galactic plane. So this program is just simply far more comprehensive than anything that's been done before. Now, what allows you to do that? I mean, why wasn't this done 20 years ago? Well, there are a lot of answers to that question. Of course, a a very important one is resources. Uh, We have the funds to be able to purchase access to telescope time, to buy computers, uh, and to hire scientists uh, in order to, to actually perform the search. But also, computers have gotten much, much faster. And the fact that computers have gotten so much faster uh, and so much cheaper allows us to survey far more of the radio spectrum than we've ever been able to do before. And we're also very motivated. Of course, we now know that most of the stars, perhaps all of the stars in our galaxy, have a planetary system. A good fraction of those uh, probably has a planetary system that includes a planet in what we call the habitable zone of the star, the region around the star where liquid water could exist on the surface of the planet. So we have resources, we have technology, and we have uh, significant motivation. How many societies would have to be out there, you know, beaming strong signals into space for you to have the hope of finding them in the next couple of years? Would there have to be billions of them, hundreds of them? I mean, how many, how many aliens have to be out there right now? So that's a complicated question, and it depends not just on the number of civilizations that are out there, but also uh, what, their, what their properties are. How long do they, do they last? How long do they live? How long do they have a, a technological capacity that, that we could detect? How powerful are their transmitters? And are they on all the time or just sometimes? 
these are, are questions that uh, we don't know the answer to, and, and we won't know the answer to those questions uh, until we find a, a population uh, of intelligent civilizations, which uh, perhaps maybe one day we will. Now, Breakthrough Listen is a privately funded operation. Uh, it's my impression that a lot of people think that this endeavor, SETI, the idea of trying to find ET, if you will, is funded by the government. It's not, right? And why is that? Why is the government not funding this? Uh, well, that's uh, another great question. Uh, since the early 1990s, the United States government has not funded SETI in any significant way. Uh, and what happened in the early 90s is that there was quite literally an act of Congress that prohibited the NASA SETI program from continuing. Why the, the government decided not to continue to fund SETI, or I think maybe more specifically why the, the U.S. Congress decided not to fund it, is probably tied up a little bit in how crazy the, the question sounds. I, I spend you know, my, my life uh, working in this field, and, and sometimes it sounds a little crazy to me, too. It's, it's really a, an immensely profound idea to imagine that there is other intelligent life. Uh, in the universe, and that, that we might be able to, to ultimately communicate with them someday. And that can be a, a difficult thing to, to wrap your mind around, whether you're a scientist or a politician. Some of So Where Are the Aliens, presented by Seth Shostak and produced by Richard Hollingham, a boffin media production for the BBC World Service. And you can find the rest of that if you look for BBC The Documentary Podcast. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.